Well, hey, we are continuing our series that we're calling Seek and You Will Find, and we've covered a whole bunch of stuff, but we're basing this on Matthew chapter 7. Today, we're going to talk about dealing with imperfect people. Why does God use imperfect people? Uh, Very simple, there's no other option. That's why why God uses imperfect people, because people are imperfect. But there's a problem with that, and that is that when people come to church, they then interact with imperfect people, imperfect members of the congregation, imperfect pastors and leaders, imperfect organizations. They deal with imperfect people. And so many people are disappointed with their church experience, and unfortunately, often for good reason, because again, imperfect people. But the answer isn't to give up on church, but to be part of making things better. You know, you can come into church and be like, ugh, what a mess. And the answer is to come in and make things better. Now, this can be complicated. Uh, It can be challenging for a few reasons. Um, Number one, you probably don't need something difficult in your life. You got enough problems and you want a life-giving church rather than a life-draining church experience, you know? And that leads to the second one is that you shouldn't support and enable dysfunctional ministries. You know, you need to persevere through difficult times no matter what. But if you are supporting and enabling dysfunctional ministries that are actually doing harm, you can honestly be, through a good heart, you can be damaging the body of Christ because instead of that ministry just kind of fading off because everybody stopped supporting it, uh, it continues on. So that's an important discernment piece. You know, what's normal imperfection and what's dysfunction that needs to be eliminated. So walk away from something that's doing damage, but stay loyal in situations where, you know, you got to walk through the hardships. And the other thing is you ever try to fix something and it just didn't seem to do any good after you've waded into the mess and then all you did was get messy and you don't feel like you accomplished anything, it starts to take some of the faith out of it. So it can be a challenge to be part of the body of Christ, part of the church. And years ago, I had to make a choice. You know, I had to choose, okay, am I going to go on my own and be the Lone Ranger Christian or am I going to wade into the mess of the church world and the body of Christ and all of that. Which one am I going to do? And I read about the unity of the body of Christ in the Bible, what we covered last week. Um, I read Jesus' prayer that the people that follow him in the future would be unified as he and the Father are unified. And I thought, okay, well, that makes my mind up. I'm wading into the mess. I'm wading into the mess of church. I I don't fit in with these people. I don't understand what they're saying. My culture is very different and in a lot of ways better, but I'm wading into the mess. So that's what I did. And I got to say, you know, even though I'm painting some of the negative sides here, I'm so happy that the Cloquet area churches work together. You know, we have a fantastic group of pastors and churches that stand together here in Cloquet. And uh, it's a true blessing. It's something that is a thrill to be part of, to support each other through our hardships, to celebrate our victories together. Uh, It's just fantastic. We pray together on a weekly basis. It's just a fantastic group of pastors we have here. And our ministerial alliance is also very strong. Man, it's it's great. And I want to issue a challenge to Duluth. All right, so Pastor Mike to Duluth area churches, work together. 
All right, I hear that you don't like each other and that there's division between church to church. All right, get over that. Okay, that's my challenge to you. So take that as you will, I guess. There you go. But let me tell you, as followers of Jesus, we are called to live differently than everyone else. You know, like you got the things that you want to do. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to override that and do what God teaches us to do. So we are to live differently than everyone else. Jesus calls us to a higher standard of behavior. And this includes our relationships with others, our relationships with other believers in Jesus, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is our relationships with friends and family, with spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend. It affects all of these relationships, even with those that are our enemies, that are opposed to us, who don't like us. We have directions in the scriptures, commandments in the scriptures on how we are to live in these relationships. And Jesus calls us to a higher standard. Have you ever noticed there's a whole bunch of stuff in the Bible about forgiveness? That forgiveness is a very main theme. It's all over the place. And there's a reason for that. And it's not just because we need forgiveness from God, but it's also because we are dealing with imperfect people in this world. And so we need to forgive others and be forgiven by others in order to go forward. And if we can't forgive, if we can't be forgiven, then that is going to stop God's plan and mess everything up. But instead, we need to walk in the plan of God, which is forgiveness. And that means we have to forgive people who have wronged us and we have to apologize and we have to let other people forgive us when we do wrong. I want to go to the gospel of Luke chapter 17. This is just a a significant section of scripture basically talking about imperfect people and how we're supposed to deal with that. So let's read Luke 17, one through 10 and talk about that a little bit. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So they're like, I don't think we can do that. Verse six, he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. So this is Jesus' response to if seven times in a day someone sins against you and then you're following what it says here, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. So seven times they did something that hurt you and seven times you said, hey, 
you know, that hurt me. Hey, don't do that. And seven times they say, oh, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm going to do better. Then seven times you're to forgive them in the same day. And the apostles are like, wow, I don't think we can do that. And Jesus is like, look, if you've got some faith, you can do it. And by the way, it's no big deal. There's going to be no party for you. We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. When we forgive others, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, it is not some big deal. It should happen multiple times in a day and we don't get a party. We're unworthy servants that have only done our duty. So we need to be people of forgiveness. Now, this started off with the things that cause people to stumble and Jesus is talking about a millstone tied around their neck uh, and people being thrown into the sea when they cause one of the little ones to stumble. And I gotta tell you, so many people say things like, well, God allowed it. Let's say that you were abused as a child. Does God allow that? Well, if you think millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea is allowing something, then I guess he allows. But let let me tell you, there is judgment that is coming. There is judgment that is coming. And so God does not allow evil. It has a time where these things can happen, but God will deal with it all. There will be judgment. It's not allowed unless you think having a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the middle of the sea is allowing it. This is not allowing. But at the same time, we need to be people of forgiveness. We got to forgive all the time. Now, not as enablers. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, if you're supporting a ministry that's dysfunctional and doing damage, now it's no longer loyalty to Christ Now you're actually enabling and empowering a destructive thing. And so we do have to find these lines, you know, uh, if you're just hurt because your church called you up to a higher level and now you're just mad, well, you need to get over that and rise to that higher level. But if the church is dysfunctional and, and embarrassing God, you need to pull your support away. Don't be an enabler of that. And this is kind of the difference between Jesus teaching on turning the other cheek and Jesus turning over the money changers tables. You know, sometimes you have to take the activist stance, but the vast majority of the time, it's a matter of turning the other cheek and absorbing some of the evil of this world and rising above it, being the bigger person. So, The bottom line with all of this, after all that, is uh, if we're going to work together for the cause of Christ, forgiveness is going to be a major part of the puzzle. If we're going to work together for the cause of Christ, if we're going to have church congregations standing together, if we're going to have churches working with other churches for the greater cause of Christ, then forgiveness is going to be a big part of the puzzle. Dealing with the imperfections of others and not letting that get in the way of God's plan is going to be a big piece of the puzzle. So how do we do this? How do we walk through this? It's complicated. But fortunately, there's a wonderful section of scripture dealing with the topic. So please pay attention. You know, you're looking for the football game right now. Just wait, 23, 25 minutes. That's all I I want from you. I want to show you how you can change the world because I believe if just Christian people that hear my voice today, if you were to do this and actually put it into practice, I believe this would be a catalyst for our world to change. Let it start with us. Let us be the followers of Jesus who actually put this into practice, all right? So hang on, football game will still be there. Romans chapter 14, verse one through chapter 15, verse seven. 
If we can do this, this is talking about working with imperfect people. It's talking about forgiveness, but beyond forgiveness is edification, where you have somebody who's imperfect, you're going to need to forgive them so that it doesn't go into something worse. But how do we build people up so that, you know, we're strengthening one another, we're being called up, we're getting better. So there's forgiveness, which prevents the darkness, but then also we need edification. We need to grow. So that's what this section of scripture is all about. Let's read through it and then talk about a few points. Here we go. Try to fire this real fast. Listen quickly. (laughs) It says this, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. 
For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Man, we could spend weeks on that section of Scripture, but I want to make... How many points am I making here? I want to make six points. All right, let's see if we can make six points. (laughs) Six-point sermon today. Point number one from Romans 14, 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak. It says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. So what do we do with weak-faithed believers who got all kinds of stuff that they're not exactly right on? We accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. What's a disputable matter? Well, they're talking about what you eat and different things, disputable matters of their day. What do we have as disputable matters of our day? You know, we got masks and vaccines. We got politics. We got service styles, worship styles. A lot of different theological points are disputable matters. So we've got all this stuff that we can fight about. That's disputable matters. We're not supposed to have judgment. We're not supposed to have contempt for others, but we're not supposed to judge. What right do you have to put yourself in the judgment seat? That's the question. If you are the one who is judging others, then you are claiming that you know. And you will answer to God, as we read in here, because you've said, you know, you're judging them. They should do it this way. Okay, it's on you. Now you have to answer to God for that. Let me tell you, don't tear down someone that Jesus is holding up, right? Don't tear down somebody who's got weak faith, who's a brand new believer or who's been a believer a long time but hasn't gotten anywhere. Don't tear down the weak faith believer because that's somebody that Jesus is holding up. If you tear down somebody that Jesus is holding up, then you're opposing Jesus, right? By his own master, they stand or fall and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. This imperfect believer is being cheered on by Jesus, being rooted for by Jesus, is being interceded for by Jesus. And when we tear him down, we're doing the opposite of what Jesus is doing. So accept the one whose faith is weak, point number one. Point number two, don't be a stumbling block. Romans 14, 12, and 13 says this, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So we're all going to face judgment. Guess what? We're all going to that moment in time where we've got to give an account. You are, I am, we're all going there. So instead of tearing each other down, let's try to help each other out because this isn't graded on a curve. It's not that a certain percentage succeed and a certain percentage fail, but we can all succeed and we want to help each other. We want to strengthen each other. Since we're all going to give account of ourselves to God, let's stop passing judgment. Instead, don't put a stumbling block in your way. Now, let's help each other. Don't you hate it when somebody points out a problem but doesn't try to solve the problem? 
Have you ever seen that happen? Somebody just points out the problem, but they don't have any solutions. In fact, if you try to solve the problem, they just get upset because they want to make fun of the problem. Usually, when that person points out the problem but doesn't try to solve it, they actually contribute to the problem. They become a stumbling block. For example, you know, I hate all this political strife. If only so-and-so would get their head out of there with such and such. Okay, well, guess what? Now you're part of political strife. You're complaining about it, but you're being part of it. And then the people that you're talking to, you're being a stumbling block to as far as their heart getting right and the love that we're supposed to have for this broken world and our connection with God, you become a stumbling block. How about parents? If you say things like, my kids are rotten, lazy excuses for human beings. Now, you're not just pointing out a problem. You're part of the problem because you're calling them down. You're you're diminishing your children by speaking death over them, speaking curses over them. You're becoming a stumbling block. So start with not being part of the problem. Don't put a stumbling block in their way. Don't become the focus. You know, if somebody is, is messed up and they're hurt in their mess and I come in and condemn them, now instead of them looking at themselves and, and thinking, man, what do I got to do to get out of this mess? They just think, wow, that guy is a pain in the butt. I don't like him. And they then focus on, on the wrong thing, on the person that's coming against them. They can focus on hating them instead of looking at their situation and asking God for help. Now we become a stumbling block when we act like that. And the reality is, is God is working on them. So let's not get in the way of God working on them. Let's not be a stumbling block. God's dealing with them. Pray for them. Let God do his work and hopefully you can get to the point where John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39 come into play in your life. So let's read this. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So hopefully we get to the point of not just avoiding being a stumbling block, but also having rivers of living water, having the Holy Spirit flowing out from us to be a light in the darkness and to lift people up, to build them up. Hopefully we will get there. All right. Accept one whose faith is weak. Don't be a stumbling block. Point number three, keep the focus on Jesus. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of disputable matters. It's not a matter of all these strife-filled issues of the day. It's about the redemption that we have in Christ. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we can easily get distracted by the controversies of the day and then we lose sight of the eternal. We lose sight of redemption. We lose sight of God. Instead, verse 19 should be our focus. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace, and to mutual edification. So rather than getting caught up in the strife and the imperfections of people and pointing out what's wrong with who and becoming a stumbling block, instead, what we want to do is keep our focus on Jesus, keep our focus on the eternal, and make every effort to do what leads to peace, you know, working together, and mutual edification. 
Edification is building up, you know, an edifice like a building. Mutual edification is to build one another up. We get built up, they get built up, everyone gets built up. Mutual edification. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, then we can bring peace to this world, peace in our circles and build others up. All right, we're going to keep rolling. Point number four, keep some stuff to yourself. <laughs> Romans 14, 22, one of my favorite verses. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. So it's okay every now and again to keep some stuff to yourself. You know what I mean? Like it's right there in the Bible from 2000 years ago. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. It's okay to not run your mouth. Running your mouth can become a stumbling block. So don't make it about you and your opinion and what you have to say. Instead, think about other people first. What leads to peace? What leads to mutual edification? What builds others up? And perhaps this is quite serious because in that verse there about not running your mouth, you know, keep these things between yourself and God. It says, blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Does not condemn himself. Condemn himself? Condemn? Are we getting pretty serious here? Well, what did Jesus say about those who judge other people? He said, how you judge others is how you'll be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you like to point out the faults of everybody, what's going to happen when you go give an account to yourself before God? You're going to be judged with your standard that you've judged the other political party with, that you've judged the people who have different medical ideas. You'll be judged with that standard as unfairly as you have judged others. So I think condemn himself is actually a legit thing. Don't be condemning because then that will come back to you. Keep some stuff between yourself and God. Number five, Romans 15, 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. The strong lift up the weak. The strong don't complain and whine and tear down the weak. The strong lift up the weak. If you in your heart have a desire to tear people down, then that means that you are one of these weak believers. You are at the bottom level when you want to tear people down, when you want to talk about how ridiculous, that's weakness. You're not doing well as a follower of Jesus at that point. If you want to be strong, that means you lift up the weak. Instead of tearing people down, if you're a strong follower of Jesus, if you've been in this for a few years and you're making some progress, instead of pushing people down, now you're going to lift them up. You're going to build them up. It's not what pleases you. You know, you want to stick it to them, but that's the way of Christ to not please ourselves, but to do what builds other people up. So what would Jesus do? Well, we already know for even Christ did not please himself. It's not about doing what makes you feel good and cutting down the people who are doing things wrong. That's not what Jesus did. Don't please yourself, build others up. And all this is for the glory of God. All this is for the glory of God. I want to read Romans 15, 5 through 7. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So let's get this one right. Instead of being a stumbling block to each other and a stumbling block to the world, 
Let's be people who work together, who don't please ourselves, but build each other up, who accept one another as Christ has accepted us so that we can bring praise to God and so that we can show people the glory and the goodness of God. Let's get this one right. So the six points real quick from Romans 14, the whole chapter up to 15.7, and you can read this on your own. I encourage you to do that. Study this out because if we live this out, it's going to change the world. Can't believe we failed at this for so long, but here we go. Accept the one whose faith is weak. Don't be a stumbling block. Keep the focus on Jesus. Keep some stuff to yourself. The strong lift up the weak. And all of this is for the glory of God. That's the six points. And let me tell you, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Not a judgmental spirit, not a prideful spirit, not a condemning spirit, not a blind religious spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need a spirit from heaven itself. We need the Holy Spirit in us, empowering us, strengthening us, changing our vision, helping us to override our emotions that are so easily manipulated by the media that we consume. We need to have the Holy Spirit in us overriding all of that so that we can grab hold of these truths that we can do the things that lead to peace and to building one another up so that we can bring praise to God. It's all for the glory of God. It's not about me and what I want to do. And then we can grow. So we need the Holy Spirit, not a judgmental spirit, not a blind religious spirit, not an angry condemning spirit. We need to get rid of all of those dark parts of our heart and walk in the goodness of God. So let me ask you, are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit or are you too full of disputable matters? Are you too full as a self-righteous Christian? You know, you got everything, oh, all those idiots, you know. Are you too full of that stuff so that you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit? You're just not thirsty. Again, John chapter 7, we'll read 37 and 38 again just to reiterate that. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is a dry and thirsty land. We need rivers of living water flowing in our churches, flowing in the marketplace, flowing in our communities, flowing in our world. And that comes from believers in Jesus not getting caught up in the strife of the day, but having the Holy Spirit in us and having that flow out of us. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit coming out into this world, not judgment and strife and hate and anger and indignation, none of that garbage, instead the things of the Spirit. I was once a Christian full of hate and anger. Being filled with the Spirit's way better. I don't know how to make that point. I've been caught up in disputable matters. I've been that hateful, angry, judgmental believer. I hated the church, not the world, (laughs) but being filled with the Spirit's way better. So brothers and sisters, let's be thirsty. Thirsty for the Spirit of God, not thirsty for news that will lie to us, not thirsty for other media that will lie to us, not thirsty for conspiracies, but thirsty for truth, thirsty for the Holy Spirit of God so that we can do things that lead to peace and mutual edification. So let's pray. 
Let's grab hold of this because I believe it'll make a difference. Heavenly Father, we come before you in a world full of strife and anger and misunderstanding and confusion and hurt. And Lord, we know that people are imperfect. I'm imperfect, Lord, but we don't want to do unnecessary harm. And so Lord, instead of being filled with blind religious spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit that gives us vision and wisdom and understanding and empathy and sympathy and kindness and love. Lord, instead of being filled with bitterness and anger and hate, Lord, fill us with your love and your compassion. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, instead of being filled with judgment, quick judgment, not really knowing the situation, but thinking we have all the answers, Lord, instead of that, let us be filled with your spirit that is understanding and that is patient and that is merciful and that is kind. Lord, we are thirsty for your Holy Spirit, not the darkness of this world that manipulates our emotions, but your spirit that strengthens and edifies us, builds us up so that we can not be a stumbling block, but actually help other people. So Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let us reject the lies. Let us reject the wrong heart attitudes and let us grab hold of your goodness so that there may be praise going your way, your glory, praise to your name because we are not a stumbling block, but we are leading the way because rivers of living water flow from us. So Lord, guide us into this. Let us walk in your ways, represent you well in this difficult world. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.